Glad you're here. My name is Drew. I'm a, a pastor here uh, in uh, Columbia Heights. Not all, the whole city, but just for Hope Community Church in Columbia Heights. I can't claim that. Um, really excited that you're here with us uh, today. I officially today have the Scarecrow mic pack on. Uh, the Wizard of Oz is going to be performed here next week, uh, next Sunday, which we're really excited for. I think we even have some of the cast here at our church um, that we're thrilled about. And this week we came and all the sound stuff was labeled. So uh, I think Toto was singing today. Is that right, guys? And uh, I'm the Scarecrow. My, my thing just says scare on it. I was handing this and said, you're supposed to do this today. Um, it's fun. I'm really excited to uh, see that this week. And, and I think it's I love that we get to meet in, in the same place, that there'll be high school, middle school kids doing a play and all sorts of other things happening in our community. We love being here um, in the school. One of my favorite activities, um, or at least the holy grail of kid activities, I think was a scooter board. Anyone else love the scooter board as a kid? Oh, the scooter board. This was the thing that I didn't get to do very often, but you just knew that it would be the greatest of gym games. Uh, elementary school. In fact, I googled scooter, scooter, scooter board, and this is all I found. Happy kids, because scooter boards are the greatest things on earth. You couldn't find a picture on Google where someone wasn't having the time of their lives pushing people or scooting, because that's what you do on a scooter board in the gym. I remember in gym class um, seeing these in the gym teacher's like closet of fun things where there's bats and balls and uh, and all those exciting gym class things and cones, and always saying, can we please use the scooter boards this week? And I specifically remember a place we lived where the teacher used that as the way to try to make us behave. And so the whole year was like, if you're good this week, on Friday we can use the scooter boards. Because it was the greatest thing. In fact, when I searched for scooter boards, there was all sorts of blogs that came up that said, all sort of activities, this blog is bogus, because there's at least six million ways to use scooter boards. It's it was the greatest thing on earth. I was sure the scooter boards were the, I mean, were, were it. And I think some of that was because I didn't get to play with them because the gym class I was in in elementary school really never got to earn our scooter boards. Uh, there was always a kid who, you know, maybe me sometimes who always did something and the teacher, I, we had these like theories that maybe there wasn't enough scooter boards. So the teacher just always found a reason not to. But I remember thinking anything we do on scooter boards will be the greatest Thing. We'll just push each other around and play every game. And my life changed uh, when, when uh, I got married for lots of reasons, great reasons. But one of the amazing things I didn't know that I was marrying into was that I was marrying uh, into a family of teachers and my father-in-law was the elementary school teacher for 35 years in the town they lived in. And so my first Christmas um, with the Barkey family, we were sitting around with uh, all these adults trying to figure out what to do, hanging out in Kelly's hometown. And her dad, uh, it, was probably, it was late at night, and it was dark. And her dad said, well, you could always go to the school and play in the gym. And everyone else in the family kind of was used to that. Like, well, that's what it's like to be a gym teacher's kid. You get to play in the gym. I said, what? And he's like, well, here's my keys. If you want, you can just go play in the gym tonight. I said, why aren't we there already? <laughs> so we... We went to the gym, and we opened the doors to the gym. It was like a gym cafeteria, you know, gym slash cafeteria, where there's like the fold-up tables in the walls, and there's a, t a hoop that's really low because it's for little kids. And we opened these doors, and there's balls, and it looks like every gym teacher's closet. And then there's like a glowing light where there's a stack of, of scooter boards. 
And they're like, well, what should we do? And you're like, that's, that's not a question. What should we do? And so grown men and women spent the night scooting around this gym. I mean, we pushed each other in the walls and mostly that, mostly pushing each other into things. We played wiffle ball and kickball and everything we could think of, but of course on scoreboards. I, I mean, I remember I was a grown married man and I thought, I don't think life gets better than this moment. You just feel like a kid. Like I had reached, right, the heaven of scooter boards. It was magic. Um, all because I had married into a scooter board empire. I didn't realize I was in the family. It was just, I went from this place where I couldn't obtain uh, this, this access to my scooter boards and then marrying into this family. All of a sudden, I did it. It actually kind of wore off uh, the thrill of it, which stinks because I think scooter boards are still great, but just not as great. Um, because you actually fall off and you get like burned a lot. Uh, it's dangerous. Um, and so today, why in the world am I t- sharing about scooter boards? Today we have this cool passage in Hebrews. We're at the end of the book of Hebrews. We've been walking through it for a long time. We only actually have two weeks left this week. And then we have a week off because we're gonna have a, a picnic and pray. And, and then we have our last week of Memorial Day in the book of Hebrews that we'll walk back through and review it. Um, but at the end of the book of Hebrews, the author has been telling us why Jesus is greater He's giving us all these pictures of how these things that were um, have been fulfilled in Jesus. He's, he's greater. He's, he's better. Don't even be tempted. Don't turn back to those things. Jesus is better. And he gives us this really cool picture that we see from scripture. And he gives us the tale of two mountains. So today we're going to spend a little time, our, our whole time, looking at the tale of two mountains. So if you have a Bible and you like to open it up with us, or otherwise all the passages will be on the screen. We're looking at Hebrews 12, the end of Hebrews 12. Uh, we start at verse 18. And we're going to hear about two mountains and what those mountains represent and also what, what those mountains mean for us. And he's going to really ask us a, a great question of uh, uh, which one do we think we actually are a part of? Um, and again, he's going to remind us of the incredible family that we're uh, a part of. So he starts though, with the first mountain. This is Hebrews 12, 18 through 21. He says, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched. Now, again, he does this great thing like he does in Hebrews where he doesn't say, hey, there's gonna be a couple options and you can like pick one. He says, hey, I wanna remind you that this isn't the people that you are, which is really a, a, such a great thing to be told. I, I think often in my life, I need someone to say, hey, don't forget like you are loved instead of like, hey, I think you're loved, or do you think you're loved? Someone just remind me that I'm loved. And so here he's going to say, hey, there's these two mountains, and let's remember this one isn't your mountain anymore. You've not come to a mountain that can be touched, and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. You picture this mountain? It helps that I give you a picture, but you picture this mountain. There's a kind of mountain that Moses says, I'm trembling with fear. The mountain of fear, the mountain that actually brings death if you even come close to it. The mountain where we say, stop talking, stop the voice from the mountain. It's so terrifying. Now, the mountain they're referring to here is the mountain of mountains in the Old Testament, Mount Sinai. Uh, we hear a little bit in Exodus 20. Um, 
uh, about that mountain and, and why they're referencing it like they are in Hebrews. It says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and the smoke, they trembled with fear. This, this is the mountain he's talking about. They stayed at a distance. They were distanced from the mountain. They said to Moses, speak to us yourself, we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. This is the place they're in. So this is Mount Sinai. They had, they had been rescued and delivered from slavery in Egypt. They'd been brought into the wilderness. They set up a camp by Mount Sinai. And this is where God, uh, this is the part of scripture where God gives Moses the 10 commandments. He gives them the law and says, this is the way I want my people to live. And he brings them to the mountain, but he says, don't touch the mountain. I'm so holy, so good, that if you come near and touch it, like you're gonna, you're gonna die. Your animals will die, you will die. There's this great fear. There's this darkness. There's this rumbling, this trumpet to the point where people say, don't, God, we don't want you to talk to us. It's so scary to us. You're, you're freaking us out. Moses, you could talk to us maybe like on behalf, but please don't come. And so this first mountain the author in Hebrews is reminding us of is this mountain of fear, this place where we look to God and we say, you're very holy and very good, and I'm not. I, I'm really unholy and I'm broken. This is part of the story of God's people where we were with God and we enjoyed being with him. Remember even in, the, in Genesis, it says we were with him just in the cool of the day. And then we decided to turn from him and say, hey, maybe there's a different God or maybe I can be God. And so things become broken. And so God holds his holiness and we become unholy. And so there's this mountain where we can't even enter into this place with God. We're distant from him. And the author's saying, that isn't your relationship anymore with God. He says, because don't forget about the second mountain. The second mountain is different. It says, but you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, to heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. How different is that vision already? Thousands of thousands of angels in joyful assembly. To the church of the firstborn whose names were, are written in heaven, you've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of of Abel. He references Abel here. Cain and Abel are, are the first kids born after the fall, after things break and are broken. And Adam and Eve have these children and they end up killing each other. And, and it says that the blood of Abel cries out. There's this, this vengeance, this brokenness. It's saying things are broken and wrong and this isn't right. And he's saying Jesus's blood is so much better because his blood doesn't cry out for vengeance. His blood cries out forgiveness. His blood is shed not, not out of sin, but his blood is shed in order to rescue us from sin. So it's saying this new mountain has a king and his blood brings forgiveness. It brings joy. And so now we go from a mountain of fear to this mountain of joy, this mountain where Jesus has made a way for us to enter in a mountain that we don't uh, enter because, uh, because we are, have become holy, but because of what Jesus has done. We're going to get to that. Um, this mountain is referenced in Isaiah uh, as we look forward to this day when God will make his city 
and all things will be made right. He says, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. How different is that than the first one? Where it's like, don't even talk to us, God. It's so scary. And now they're saying, come, come on, come on. Let's go to the mountain, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways. So let me walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. What a different picture of a different mountain. There's gonna be a mountain that we can't wait to run to because the Lord will be there and he will teach us what it looks like to live. It's an incredible picture of these two mountains that Hebrews goes on. It says, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did, if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on the earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he's promised. So it's referencing when God spoke in that mountain of fear, it shook the earth. And it says, at that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. So what it's saying here is God at that point, it shook the earth. There was this great fear. And now it's saying, now God is gonna, one more time, we're gonna look to a time where God will shake the earth, but not, not to cause fear and for us to be disconnected, but to shake off that which isn't what he, what he wants, what he created us to be. It's gonna shake loose those things that were created and leave just the holiness of God, just the glory of God, just the goodness of what he intended. It's gonna shake loose and leave what was in the garden for us. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Just that, like, how, how helpful would it be to wake up and, and read verse 28? Hey, remember, the kingdom we're part of can't be shaken. In the last year of my life, it feels like things can really be shaken. <laughs> Lots of shaken things up. And we're reminded here, oh, no, God's going to shake stuff, but there's stuff is going gonna, is gonna to be refined. It's going to fall off, but, but God's kingdom cannot be shaken. It, can, it isn't going to change. And because of that, because of, a remembering that we're no longer at the foot of the scary, fearful mountain, but we've been given access to the other mountain, we can be thankful. We can worship God. We can be on him. And I love this phrase. God, God didn't change and become like a, a babbling brook. He wasn't like a scary fire and now he's a... It says, remember our God is a consuming fire. I, this phrase makes you think of the importance of if you're talking with someone. We talk about this in our house sometimes. Uh, I guess I talk about this with all people. Um, the, the way you say something, like what you're saying and how you say it. Anyone ever had to talk to someone about this or maybe be reminded in your own life how you, how you had this? So the, what I'm saying, the content of it, right, is something, but the way I say it, like the manner communicates a lot of things, right? We talk about this in our house with our dog. So the way we talk to our dog, you could say like, you're the stupidest dog in the world. And he still runs up to us. And Frank licks you and you're like, you're so dumb, right? But if I say like, I love you so much, he, was like, he runs away. And I say, but I said I loved you. That, is a, that shouldn't count. I think of this when we hear this God is a consuming fire. God is still the same God that was at Mount Sinai. He's still the same God 
who was a consuming fire, but there they went. He's a consuming fire! And they run! And now they're saying, oh, our God is a consuming fire. He's refining us. He's, he's burning away those things that are not good that we're, we weren't created for. How, he's, there's warmth. It's like the same thing, but now, oh, how good. So how do we get? How, how do we get from Mount Sinai to Mount Zion? Because it seems like we just choose to hike up a different mountain. Mount, Mount Sinai represents the law. It represents what the author has been talking all throughout Hebrews. We need to turn away from this religion that we think is causing us to get to enter up into the mountain. And we need to put our faith in Christ, who's the one who allows us in. It's reminding us that when we see God really holy and really perfect and amazing, it, it causes us to be fearful because he's so holy and so glorious. And our reaction can be like, well, I could be better. I could set up a system. I could make some rules. I could be better so that God will be happy with me. He's an angry dad. And if I just go do everything right and come back, he'll say, oh, I'm proud of you now. Right? We, we want to turn everything into a, this law, this religion. And, and uh, the author's saying, be careful. That's not who you are. We have Christ who has went and made you holy so that you can enter. So we have these two mountains. Um, and if you didn't notice, there's access only because of this. There's darkness and fear to a point, And then on a cross, Jesus is crucified and the gates are open and the path is open and we can walk to glory. And one day it will be all, all right. All right. Not like, hey, it's going to be all right, but like everything will be right because of that, because he opened the door on that cross. And if, if you're reading this passage, you might be getting hints of like, I feel like I've heard shaking and mountains and things before. I think this passage points us to the moment when everything changed for us, when we went from being fearful to joyful. It's a moment um, in, oh, you can't even see it. That's exciting. In Matthew 27, um, when Jesus is on the cross, um, when Jesus is about to die on a cross, he's taken up on a hill and put on a cross, not because he did anything, but because we did everything, because we're unholy and we deserve death. And they put him on a cross. And, and listen to these words. It says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. It's like he, it was like he marched onto Mount Sinai, awaiting his death. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, Ready? This is the moment when it goes from darkness and fear to joy. It says he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, completely open. The, the thing that separated us from the presence of God in the temple was torn. There was no longer anything separating us. God's spirit could whoosh and fly into the world. It just explodes into our world. The earth then shook and rocks split and tombs were broken open. Not only did Jesus defeat death, but like he actually, they actually like showed us. God actually broke open tombs. He said, these don't hold you anymore. The bodies of many holy people who had died 
were raised to life. That's the part of the, the story I, I never remember. That, like G, that Jesus was resurrected and others were resurrected. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. So not only did Jesus rise from the dead, defeating death, giving us access to Mount Zion, to God's family. But in that same moment, the earth shook, the curtain was torn. We now get to be with our God. There's no more fear. There's no more, please don't talk to us, God. It's now, please talk to us. We wanna be close to you. And there's other people on that day that rose from the dead. People are saying, did you hear Jesus rose from the dead? And they're like, yeah, I heard it from my friend who just rose from the dead. So wild, there's people walking through the cities who were dead, and God says, this is what it looks like to be in my family. Death is no longer over us. So our author is reminding us that we are people of Mount Zion because of Jesus. And again saying, we, we need to remember he's the one who gives us access to this, brings us into the family. He's the one who gives access to the Father who refines us, who is a consuming fire, whose discipline and training only helped me to run the race to finish this race, as we heard earlier in Hebrews. This reminds me of this moment. Uh, in, I've been reading the Holy Week story, um, uh, the story of when Jesus first comes into Jerusalem that whole week until he's crucified. We're reading a lot, it actually really connects with the book of Hebrews because the whole, those, those, all those days, Jesus is just walking around Jerusalem, pointing out how this law, how living like Mount Sinai is the way to live, these rules set up so that people can be in and out of God's family. He's just pointing those out and saying, none of these work. This doesn't work. This doesn't work. This doesn't work. Get rid of these things. It's faith in me. Putting your faith in me and my work is what brings you into God's family. And there's this moment that I remember as a kid in my scooter board years, I remember hearing this story and I did not really understand it. It says, uh, Jesus is walking with his disciples and he's talking to a f the fig tree. Remember the fig tree? He says, if this thing doesn't bear fruit, um, it will die. He's talking about like this, uh, if, if we don't have the fruit of the spirit, if, we don't, if, we, or if we're not showing like that there's change in us. And at the same time, he makes this other reference. So he says, have faith in God, or some translations, put your faith in the Lord. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they will say happened, it will be done for them. This is the classic, tell, like tell mountains to move. Have faith that moves mountains. I remember a poster in a Sunday school class had a picture of a mountain. It said like faith that moves mountains. And when I was a kid, that meant if I have enough faith, if I like do enough, if I'm a good enough Christian, then I'm allowed to like tell stuff to move. <laughs> Right? I could say, Lord, open the doors of the scooter board closets and the doors will open for me, which never like, happened. Right? I would pray that prayer and other prayers. And I wonder, though, if Jesus is thinking more about, not the author of Hebrews, about what we're thinking about. Where Jesus was standing when this happened, he would have been standing in Jerusalem. And I wonder if Jesus didn't point, if you hear even the language here, he says, go he says, uh, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, not to like any mountain, I, I wonder if he's pointing to Mount, Z Mount Sinai. He says, hey, 
This mountain that represents the law and religion, the thing that's bringing death to you and just great fear that makes you function on this system of fear to be close to God. He says, you know what? Have faith. You could tell to, to jump in the ocean. Tell it to fall into the sea. It has no power over you. If you believe that I'm the one who's gonna bring life to you, I'm the one who's gonna bring access to you, then you can say, hey, Mount Sinai, fall into the sea. What incredible news that would be. They'd stand there and say, oh, not Mount Sinai. That's like the place that's shook in God's voice. And that's like, you'd say, oh, that has no power. Mount Sinai, fall into the sea. So that's my encouragement to us today as we, uh, as we move to a time of singing and worshiping Jesus is to remember we get to say, to that fear that controls us, to the fear that takes over, to all the rules we set up so that we feel like we're doing okay, but really we're feeling like we're not doing okay. We get to say, I am a child of God who's been rescued by Jesus. You could fall into the sea. When, when I'm in my home at night and I feel like I've tried all the things and I just cannot be the parent I wanna be, and I think, okay, what are more things I could do, more things I can read? How can I be okay? I can say, you know what, Dad? You can go into the sea. I can turn to Jesus. Jesus, you make me okay. When I'm talking to a friend and I'm, I'm calculating in my head all the things they're doing they shouldn't be doing, and I'm thinking, oh, I am way cooler than you. I'm way better than you. You're not a very good Christian or a person. In that moment, I could stop and say, that's not how this works. I don't get to calculate who's better and who, who's different. I'm not a Pharisee. I could say, go into the sea. I'm gonna put my faith and my identity, my hope, my joy comes because Jesus on a cross gave me access to Mount Zion. And one day we get to be in that place with those angels. So I'm, I'm gonna bring Jordan up, or Toto, I guess today to help lead us in a time we're going to sing and praise this God, we get to enter into a time with God. We don't have to say, God, we don't even want to hear your voice. You're so scary. We get to say, because of Jesus, we get to be near you. We get to ask for you to heal us and care for us. And then we get to be filled with you. And out of that, we get to walk in your ways, the way we were created to do. A couple of questions to consider here. We're going to take just a moment to consider these, to pray, reflect, um, maybe Jordan will strum a little bit to give us a little, little mood. Yeah? Oh, thank you. <laughs> we just turned into like a weird comedy duo. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like that. Uh, just some questions to consider. Is your faith in Jesus who has made a way to the mountain? Or is your faith maybe just in yourself that you think, I think I can figure out a way into the mountain. I think I can find a, a secret pass around the back of the mountain to get up there to God. Or do you know that Jesus has made a way? Ask yourself, consider, when does God feel unapproachable? When is that fear? When do you think he's so angry with me or I can't come close to him? And why is that? I, I think even this week I took a moment to go for a walk. I was having a moment in my day that I was like, I can't even think about anything. I went for a walk on these really nice days and I just dreamed about what Mount Zion will be like. It changed my day. This went, how good will this be? All this stuff today that I don't like, won't be. This is just, I just got to stop, I think, and put my vision on that. And of course, it's so important for us to think, who else do you know that just needs this truth? Who, who's feeling that fear? 
who's feeling like the, it's sh- the world is shaking and he needs to know there's a stable rock that doesn't, that doesn't move. Um, let me pray for us and then we'll take a moment to reflect and Jordan will lead us in some singing here. Lord, thank you for your goodness towards us. That we no longer need to fear death as we approach you, but now await open arms from a God who loves us because of Jesus' sacrifice. I pray we would uh, deeply plant ourselves in Jesus, that we would move towards him, embrace him, thank him, become thankful and grateful people for the, the way that he has made, the gates he has opened into your family. And I pray we would rest in that and that great joy would fill us. I pray as we sing now, we'd remember that and we'd be joyful in this great news that we have. I pray this in your good name. Amen.